Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Daniel 9, verse 24, the Bible states these words, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem and to the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself. The people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the con- the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate amen there's four verses but there is a lot just right stacked in these it's the reader's digest version of some things that will take like revelation 6 to 19 or so in revelation it's the reader digest version of some of this that's going to explode later. <laughs> and so there's a lot packed in this. Let's pray this evening. God would help us, grant us understanding. Lord Jesus, I need you tonight. God, I pray, oh Lord, open up our minds and understanding. Help me, oh God, Lord Jesus, to adequately, Lord Jesus, share, Lord, from your word. Put it on a shelf, God, that everybody can reach. I pray, oh Master, today. Help me, O Lord, help these people, Lord, anoint their minds, anoint their hearts. God, as we diligently, Lord, seek after you and what you would have and want and desire. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, my subject matter tonight is the key to the future. It will be my subject matter for the next, uh, whatever, couple or few weeks. This is part 14A. And anytime you see that, you know I'm going to be on the same subject for just a little while. Uh, the key to the key to the future. Now, if you remember uh, last week that Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, was sent to Daniel to uh, answer Daniel's prayer. Daniel spent um, uh, several verses from about verse number four, I believe it is, in Daniel chapter nine, from verse number four to verse number nineteen. Daniel spent in prayer, and as a matter of fact. You remember he would have continued in prayer had it not been for uh, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, touching him, uh, interrupting him, so to speak. And Gabriel was sent to answer the prayer of Daniel uh, primarily, we understand, because the Bible said that Daniel was greatly beloved or Daniel was loved by God. And so God wanted to answer Daniel's prayer. 
And then Gabriel, before uh, this interaction was over and turned toward the, the vision, as it is called, uh, he told Daniel that, that he should understand the matter. He was about ready to tell him something. He said, you need to understand the matter, and you need to consider the vision. Again, because the next four verses, we have it as verses, but the next several words that he was about ready to share with Daniel was going to be very important to the overall scheme of, uh, of prophecy, particularly in the book of Revelation. So to understand the matter and to consider about what was being said was very, very important because uh, he was kind of giving him this in a concise, condensed thing, but it was going to be very meaningful. And in these four verses, uh, as Daniel found out in verse number 2 of Daniel 9, concerning the time that they were to be in Babylonian captivity, seven years, 70 years, uh, this, these four verses were also going to provide some timing uh, to prophecy. And if you'll remember, uh, Daniel, throughout Nebuchadnezzar's visions and some of his own he's received a lot of information about uh, future events and what kingdom was to come after the next kingdom so on and so forth but there hadn't been a whole lot talked about concerning timing and so this is given a little bit further definition concerning some timing that will take place as a matter of fact in the word of the Lord the timing that this is going to span across according to these four verses is it's going to be from from the point of time when the commandment the scripture says is given to restore and build the city of Jerusalem all the way until the second coming when I say second coming I'm not talking about the rapture of the church I'm talking about whenever Christ comes back to set up his millennial rule and reign upon the earth all the way till the second coming of Jesus Christ so uh, these four verses are covering such a vast 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 span and so God reveals a lot in these four verses just to name a few of the things that he speaks about just in these four verses he tells us then undoubtedly that uh, Jerusalem will because at the point in time uh, they're in captivity Jerusalem has been destroyed it's an ash heap all right we understand that Jerusalem will be rebuilt and the temple will be restored according to these verses we understand that Messiah is going to come and he's going to come be born live and he's going to die according to these verses there's also something laced within these and that is uh the the, the prophecy or if you will a foretelling of jesus's triumphal entry into jerusalem is told within these four verses uh, within these verses also contains uh what is known as the seven-year tribulation uh the covenant that the antichrist or the evil one the son of perdition uh, all the different words that are used to describe him the covenant that he will make with the Jews for a seven-year time period. Within this, it tells us how that covenant will be broken somewhere in the middle of that time period, and it alludes then to the fact then all of this culminating with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the phrase that we just need to start with uh, to have a starting point is the first few words of verse number 24. The Bible says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now, we got to consider this, that the vision uh, that was gave this particular vision gave Daniel some understanding because, uh, understand, he just found out it's 70 years for the Babylonian captivity and he, he looks and he considers and calculates, well, okay, I only have a few years left 
in captivity and then we're going to be allowed to go back to Jerusalem. But there was something that the angel and the spirit of the Lord was sharing with Daniel in this is that not only is uh, the Jewish people going to be under this stress of 70 years of captivity, not only is that going to be due to the broken Sabbath that they did, and that goes way back, but we'll talk about that a little bit more, but this Jewish punishment, uh, this punishment for the Jews uh, is not just for 70 years. That's true, it will happen. You will be able to go back home, but it's going to be extended. And Everybody say extended stay, <laughs> or extended trouble, if you will. It's going to be extended for 70 weeks, 70 weeks. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here later. Now, let's consider again. Does anybody remember why the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity to begin with? Do you remember some of the reasons why they were in Babylonian captivity? Let's refresh our minds. You can look at those in Second Chronicles chapter 36 and I'll try to be mindful if you're turning to places but 2 Chronicles chapter 36 verses 14 through 21 some of the things that are mentioned there is firstly is because the Bible says in verse 14 they transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and the number one abomination of the heathen was this they were idolaters they served false gods they continued in idolatry Adultery. So one of the reasons that they were taken away into captivity was because uh, they were leaning toward and practicing some idolatry themselves. The Jews, the Israel people were. And remember, I said a long time ago, God was kind of like, uh, you want idols to serve? I'll set you in a land that that's all there is all around you. Uh, idols until maybe you get sick of it. Secondly, verses 15 through 16 of Second Chronicles 36 the Bible says that they mocked the messengers of God. God had sent priests, he had sent prophets, one namely by the name of Jeremiah. He had sent and the people didn't hearken, did not hear uh, the voice of the Lord. They mocked the messengers of God. This is another reason why they were sent to captivity. But again, thirdly, verse 21 of Second Chronicles, and I'll read that to you. The Bible says to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score, that's, that's 60 and 10 years. So that's 60 plus 10 equals 70 years. That Daniel had just learned of through Jeremiah in verse 2 of Daniel chapter number 9, that they would be in captivity for 70 years. And if you will remember, every seven years, the Jews had a Sabbath. Uh, they had every week, of course, a Sabbath, but every seven years they had a Sabbath. And so evidently, uh, for each year, they did not keep the seven-year Sabbath. They were held in captivity. So they were in captivity for 70, 70 years. And if that's the case, then each one of those represent a year they did not keep Sabbath. And that was every seven years. So if you take that, that goes to show us that for somewhere around 490 years, uh, the Israelites were not keeping those seven-year Sabbaths. And so as a result of that, they were in captivity for 70 years because while they were in captivity, now Jerusalem uh, is going to get the rest it should have had. 
every seven years. Now it's just kind of all lumped together, though, and they're going to get uh, 70 years of rest because that rest was not given to them. And the Bible tells us concerning that in Leviticus chapter 25, how every seventh year the land should be allowed to rest. But again, Scripture doesn't record for us that the people uh, ever necessarily kept this or followed through with the instruction. And so they're getting, it's getting its rest during their captivity. And God hears the warning. God warned them, though. In Leviticus chapter 26, and you can reference verses 14 through 17, God had warned Israel that she would be punished for breaking the Mosaic covenant, which is not giving the land rest, and uh, that she would be punished if she didn't take her punishment seriously, basically. You're going to go into punishment, but if you don't repent after that and take all of this seriously, uh, then there's going to be some things that's happening. There's going to be some things that take place. So, yeah, the 70 years, destruction of Jerusalem. 70 years, uh, the Holy Temple destroyed. 70 years, they are in exile. But if they didn't hearken to the voice of the Lord after 70 years, he was basically saying there's going to be some extension to your punishment. The Bible records in Leviticus 26 and verse 18 in particular that this is mentioned. He says, if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, and what he's described before all of this is the punishments that come upon them for not keeping the Sabbaths. He said, if you, if you do not, uh, if you will not yet for all this hearken to me, he says, then, after all this, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So if... If there was 70 years of captivity, and that's punishment, number one, we'll say P1, if they didn't repent, they didn't come back to God, if they didn't, yeah, I'm, we're going shorthand, all right. Um, if they didn't come back to God, if they weren't serious about their dedication to the Lord, he says, if you haven't hearkened after all that, he says, we're going to cause punishment to seven times more, which is 490 years. He says, if you don't make things right, he says, we're going to extend this for 490 years. And so God, through his messenger Gabriel, was speaking to Daniel about all this. If they don't respond to the 70 years judgment of God, he's going to, he's going to multiply their punishment for seven, seven times that. And so seven times, then 70 years is 490 years. So, yeah, the Jews were able to return to Jerusalem. A decree was made for them to be able to do that. But the full restoration of the Jews and their nation of Israel would not truly completely be realized until 490 years later for a complete total 100% restoration. Now, what we have problems with with this consideration, and maybe Daniel knew very well, is the Bible says Gabriel told Daniel 70, look at the first words there, 70 weeks. 70 weeks are determined. Now, in the English, we have no problem with the word week. I know we have W-E-A-K, but as far as W-E-E-K, we have no problem with that. We understand that's seven days in the English. But in the Hebrew, this word weeks or week actually represents nothing more but sevens. It's literally translated sevens or un, sorry, units, my, my screen's moving, of seven. Actually, it means sevens or units. So 70 sevens or 70 units of seven. 
In other words, when you say 77s, that could be seven days, seven weeks, seven years, seven generations. It's, it's word weeks. Their word weeks is kind of like our word dozen. You say dozen, how many does that mean? But that could be 12 kids, 12 eggs, 12, right? Well, their weeks is similar to our dozen. The weeks is sevens, but it could be seven years, seven days, seven ages, seven whatever. So 70 sevens or 70 units of seven, amen. He says, so there are a few ways to determine, we got to determine what does this 70 sevens mean? What is it, is it days? Is it weeks? Is it years? And the way in which you derive what it is is according to the context of the scripture in which it is written, in which it is, in which it is placed. And so we get some help with that. If you will turn to Genesis chapter 29, just for a for instance, Genesis chapter 29 and verse number 18. This is the story of Jacob that worked for Rachel. At least he thought Rachel, but he got Leah. And then he worked additionally for uh, Leah for a certain period of time. The Bible says in Genesis 29 and verse number 18, and Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years, underline seven years in your mind, seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And he did. And at the end of that, remember, there was someone there that was heavily veiled, the scripture says. And he said, in the morning, it was Leah. <laughs> he thought he had married Rachel when he woke up in the morning, lo and behold, it was Leah. It was, it was, it was the eldest of the two. Now skip down to verse 26. Uh, and Laban said, it must not be so done in our country. In other words, Jacob, I could not give you Rachel because she is the younger. In our country, the eldest gets married off and they go in succession. We can't have that, that we can't have the youngest getting married before the oldest, okay? That, can't, that cannot happen. And he said, so it cannot be done in our country. He said to give the younger before the firstborn. Look at verse 27. He says, fulfill her week. He's talking about Rachel now, because he already got Leah, although he thought he was working for Rachel. He says, fulfill her week, or Rachel's week. Look, he uses the word week. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And so the week in that instance, uh, if you will, was for the seven was equated to a week if you were seven years was equated to a week when Laban deceived Jacob by giving him Leah instead of Rachel he told him fulfill her week Rachel's week but that was interpreted as another seven years now Daniel he's learned in verse 2 of Daniel 9 about Jeremiah saying it would he said I learned I understood the number of years and that it was 70 years in verse number two he said I learned that I learned the exiles would be in there 70 years and so with and again we're talking about context of scripture Daniel's mind is already in this process of thinking about in term of years all right 70 years and so then whenever the angel of the Lord speaks to him that they would have to serve 70 sevens. Daniel's already thinking in terms of years. It's quite possibly that he believes years. But another reason why it is years, folks, I've already explained 
right here. Because if after the 70 years they didn't straighten up, the word of the Lord already said 70 times that. And it was years, so we know it ain't going to 70 times that isn't going to be 490 days or weeks. It's going to be 490 years because we've already been given what the unit was that they served first of all. So we understand the 70 weeks that's spoken of in Scripture for us is, is, is sevens, if you will, uh, uh, of years. And whenever we say that, that's really a multiplication thing, see? 70 times 7, it's same as up here, equals the 490 years. Amen. Hallelujah. Wasn't that exciting? <clears throat> and for that matter, most, most scholars do believe that the word weeks represents seven years. Uh, Ron Daniel said this. He said, in this case, we understand by comparing this prophecy with others which speak of the same time period that these are weeks of years, seven-year periods of time. And we'll see that as we go on in this study because there is, this study is kind of broken down uh, for us, and I'll get to it here in a moment, but the last week that is spoken of, of the 70 weeks, the last week that is spoken of, and you'll see that in, in Daniel chapter number 9, the last verse, it's talking about the last, the last week, if I can get there, Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27, it's speaking about that last week. The last week then is actually seven years because one week per se, one seven is seven years. Is everybody with me on that? The last week is then seven years. Whenever we look at that last week, and we'll get into this more later, that last week is speaking about the tribulation. All right? It's speaking about the tribulation. Somewhere along the line in the middle of that tribulation which we're talking about three and a half, three and a half, those are years. Somewhere in the middle of that is where the Antichrist is going to break the covenant that he confirmed at the beginning. Here he confirms it, and in the middle, he breaks it. And it's this part of time here that we've already did some studying of in Daniel chapter number 7. In Daniel chapter number 7, you remember that they are uh, trampling, if you will, uh, and taking advantage of the saints of the Most High for times, times, and the dividing of time. Remember that? That was three and a half years. Remember? Three and a half years. Then we read also in the book of Revelation, we consider that the Bible speaks of the beast doing some trampling for 42 months. 42 months. Guess how many years that is? We looked at before. That's three and a half years. It speaks in another place, uh, speaking of it also doing it for 1,260 days in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 12, 1,260 days. Again, taking the 360-day year, dividing it into there. You know what that comes up to be when you have 1,260 days? Three and a half years. So again, what we're doing, we're going back to proving that this is years because that week, the three and a half, all those things in different places of Scripture relating to the same time period is all three and a half years. It's not weeks, it's not days, it's three and a half years. It all relates back, so you can quantify that. Not only that, whenever we consider this 490 years, it's going to be fun when we get that new board. I can flip it over. I got two sides to it, and it's going to be like four feet by three feet. And it's going to be awesome. 
But whenever, whenever we talk about, I guess it's a little commercial, but we talk about 490 years, there's a lot of segments throughout the Bible that come in 490-year chunks. With that being said, and there are ways, and I am, folks, you can really get drugged down deep in some of this over minute detail things, and I'm not going through those waters. You want to look at it, find it, look at it, go through it. I got resources. You want to read yourself mad, go for it, because I've already read myself mad. <laughs> Nevertheless, from the birth of Abraham to the exodus of the children of Israel out of bondage is about 490 years. Now, you got to know what you're doing because... Uh, whenever you come up with the actual figure uh, from Genesis and from Galatians, it comes up to 505 years. But there were about 15 years that Ishmael was usurping, and they don't, in God's timetable, they, God doesn't count time whenever Jews and Israel is out of favor with him or whenever they are serving in servitude to another nation. So you subtract the 15 years from that, you get to your 490 years. Whenever you look from the Exodus to the dedication of Solomon's temple, that's a chunk of about 490 years. Now, there's a lot of strategizing there because you have the time of the judges that's in there, and they were in servitude to a lot of different people during that time frame. I don't remember the number, but the number comes up to 600 and some odd years, but there's 101, 111 years that they were in servitude to other nations. So those are subtracted out of there because they're not under God's care. And so you understand how this can get very detailed, and you don't want me going through this, and nor am I. But uh, you can read of it. And so from there to there, there's about 490 years, or if you will, 70 weeks, if you'd want to talk about it along those lines. And then from the dedication of the temple to the edict or the degree, the, the decree, rather, I get that mixed up a lot of times, degree, decree. The decree of a king by the name of Artaxerxes during the time of Nehemiah gave a decree from that time to there, 490 years or 70 weeks. And then... From that decree, which we'll look at here a little bit later, if you remember, he told Daniel right here in verse number 25, he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, which is this edict or this decree of Artaxerxes, from there until, uh, until uh, the, the, the prince shall be 69 weeks and then later the other week uh, i hope i'm not losing by anyway from that decree until the second coming of christ so to speak or 409 years someone says wait a minute hold on i know from that decree to the coming of christ it could have not been 409 years or we'd already been out of here but again you got to subtract the time that israel is not in favor with god and israel's currently not in the direct place they should be concerning alignment with god they're not yeah, they got their nation uh, back to them in 1948, and yes, there are some people going back, but they've not truly made total amends and right standing with God. They still don't recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And so for all these years that we've existed now as a church, what we call the church age, from around when Jesus was crucified, still continuing right now, all of this time you subtract out. It's what we'll later define to be the gap that's between the 69th year and the 70th year, or the 69th week, rather, and the 70th week of here in the book of Daniel because we fall out of favor with God. When are we... Erasers. Is everybody doing okay? I know you said, let's just go home right now. Folks, listen, I, I, some of these things I know I'm just hitting on, but I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth of them 
uh, as next week comes and more than likely the way that I'm looking at faces the week after that. <laughs> I just read of a man here recently. He's, he was teaching the book of Daniel to his church and he had people come up to him and he taught the very next lesson the very next week because they weren't getting it. And yeah, same one. And so, <laughs> but where we look, the 70 weeks, whenever he says 70 weeks are determined on your people, all right, 70 weeks, which is for 90 years. Now look, what he does in these four verses, he divides the 70 weeks into three time periods. You look at it in your Bible. Uh, starting with verse number 25. He divides it into three time periods. He talks about a period of time that's seven weeks. Another one that is uh, three score and two weeks, which a score is 20, that's 60, 62, all right? That's 62 weeks. And then he speaks of this other thing, of this last one week. Uh, I guess I'll stay with the numbering thing. One week. Now, it's important to denote that there's a time frame that it says after this three score and two weeks, such and such and such and such happen. As though they're not a part of the last week, but they fall into this gap of time that God's not counting the church age, known as the church age. From the time, from somewhere close in that time frame comes the death of Christ. Messiah's cut off, the Bible says. The death of Christ is in this time frame. All right? And uh, another thing that happens within that time frame, he's cut off. Uh, also, the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. In this time frame, Jerusalem is destroyed again. All right, Jerusalem destroyed. And in that time frame right there, if you'll notice right there again in verse number 26, uh, the end thereof shall be with the flood of desolation. It's destroyed and the Jews are dispersed among many nations. We read of that in the scriptures. We read of the disbursement of the Jews. So it's divided into three time periods. So he gives us the overall, there's 70 weeks or 490 years, and then there's three time periods. There's 70 weeks, or if you will, that's 49 years right then there's 62 weeks that is 434 mm -hmm, 34 years if you put these two together that's what 480 someone talk to me three 483 in this one week that's seven years so you see the 40 the 49 plus the 434 plus the seven should equal 490 years all right, okay. Is everyone doing okay with our math? <laughs> All right, hallelujah. Whew. So in verse 24, he says 70 weeks or 490 years are determined. They're fixed. They're determined. But it's important to see who they are determined for. They are determined for thy people. He's speaking to Daniel. They're determined for thy people and upon thy holy city. So as that relates to Daniel, your people, Daniel, that 490 years, that's for the Jews. And it's for your holy city. That's for Jerusalem. That's for Jerusalem. And that's important. Amen. It's very important. Because what he is telling us in this, this, these four verses, this span of time, is absolutely pertaining to Israel, the nation Israel, the Jews, not the Gentiles nor necessarily the church. Someone hear me? 
nor necessarily the church. I think the reason why some people get uh, confused over the great tribulation, which is largely denoted as that second three and a half years of the seven, this is usually what they call the great tribulation. The whole thing is tribulation. They usually reckon the last three and a half years as the great tribulation. Some of the reason why some people get confused over this great tribulation about whether or not the church will be a part of it or not, amen, is you got to understand all of that. The great tribulation wasn't meant for the church. It was meant for Israel. Mm-hmm. Because through that, he's getting her back in alignment where she needs to be. Uh-huh. He's getting her back in alignment where she needs to be. Amen. It's for the nation of Israel. And so in, in and of itself, well, and I'm not answering the question uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation tonight, but in that, that doesn't necessarily mean then that we won't go through tribulation, nor does it mean that we got to be there either. Okay? I'll just say that for now. Well, I'm not sharing the pre-mid-post thing. Are we going to be, is the church going to go uh, before the tribulation ever starts? Or that would be pre. Are they going to go in the middle, in the middle, before the great tribulation? Or will they go out post? Will they go out after the great tribulation? And let me tell you, folks, there are controversy, controversy, controversy with pre-mid-post. I do linger, I do linger one way, well, I say, let me say it like this, I linger a couple ways more so than uh, one. I'll, I'll say it like that. I'll linger a couple ways more so than just one. I do know this, that uh, to the third church at Thessalonica, the apostle Paul was speaking to them in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, he said, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. And he was speaking to a church. He said, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if that's any comfort, uh, let it be comfort. But you gotta be a part of the church if you're going with the church. <laughs> Amen. Uh, your, your free get out of jail card, if you will, for tribulation, if we're going through the tribulation, is that you got to be a part of the church. Amen. Amen. And so whenever we look at, and look, I don't have much time left, but whenever we look at, I told you, it's true. When we look at, at, at verse number 24, he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, that's the Jews, and upon thy holy city, that's Jerusalem, and there are six primary things that are to be accomplished during this time frame. Six primary things. And they're listed for you right there in verse 24. Number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and number six, to anoint the most holy. Amen. Now, some would say, well, those first three, to finish transgression, to make uh, an end of the sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, haven't those really all been taken care of because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross? Let me say it like this. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross very well has made the first three possible have made the first three available. But as we even looked, and I've talked to you before, in Old Testament times concerning the Passover, you could kill a lamb and have blood in a basin, but if you didn't apply the blood, blood's available, blood's accessible, but it takes application. And so just like the death of Christ on the cross could very well make possible the first three in that list, uh, it will not be so for Israel because that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at the church. We're looking at Israel. 
not for Israel as long as they remain in their sin and their separateness from God. Amen. Blessings for their future is only when they'll be in perfect alignment with God. And again, folks, I've said, they did not even recognize Messiah as Jesus Christ when he came the first time. And there's still many that don't. Now, granted, there are some even today that are catching the vision, uh, catching the reality that they missed their Messiah the first time. There are Jews that are receiving the Holy Ghost, being born again of the water and the Spirit. And what are they understanding? Jesus is my Messiah. Then they, though, whenever that happens, when they're born again of the water and the Spirit, they've changed from Jew to being a part of the church. Because remember, in the church, according to New Testament Scripture, neither is there Jew nor Gentile. Mm-hmm. Whenever you get in the church. But whenever you're not in the church, when that Jew's not in the church, he's still recognized as his identity of being a Jew. And so that all of this applies still to him if he's not been born again of the water and the spirit. Amen. And so this pertains to him. And so uh, this is happening. Number one, to finish the transgression. Uh, the Jews, again, their transgression is not finished yet because they are still in a large degree in disfavor with God. No doubt, God, yes, is looking after them, protecting them because he plans on taking them through a lot of junk. However, they're not in perfect alignment with God and will not be finished until they absolutely repent and return as a nation toward God. Amen. It was evidence that they didn't quite have things right after even the 70 years of captivity because seven times that, you're going to continue with some punishment because things are not quite right. Number two, to make an end of sins. Again, this is concerning the Jews. To make an end of sins is interpreted as to complete them or to finish them or to seal them up. The Bible says, and I'm trying to get there. For, I really want to get through these six so I can have a good ending spot. Amen. I got time. Romans 11, chapter 26. The Bible says, and so all Israel shall be saved. Now, we don't have time to jump through every hoop. I feel like I got to explain everything. But uh, all Israel shall be saved. That is not saying anybody that was ever a Jew, Israelite, they're going to be saved. No. Uh, we're talking about believing Israel. The believers, or the believers of Israel, they shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion, or Sion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant of them, when I shall take away their sins. There is going to come a time, amen, if they endure and go through all the mess that they're going to have to go through to the end of the world, that he will ultimately take away the reproach off of Israel. He will. In the end, the reproach will be taken off Israel. But that's not yet. It's still yet to come. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. He speaks of this again through prophecy, through the prophet Zechariah, of what will take place. Zechariah 13 and verse 1, he says, In that day, he said, There shall be a fountain open to the house of David. What is that? That's Israel. And to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Jews. For what? For sin and for uncleanness he said there's going to be a fountain where they can be cleansed and I'm not talking about a literal fountain he's speaking in figurative terms but in other words there's going to be a time that that's going to be, be cleansed and the uncleanness is going to be taken care of there's going to be reconciliation made for all that number four to bring an everlasting righteousness now bringing an everlasting righteousness has not happened yet do you see everlasting righteousness in your world today everlasting is a big word okay you might see some, but you don't see everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness has not happened yet for the nation of Israel. It's not going to happen until the end of time. It's not going to happen until the Lord comes back. Amen. 
because Christ, remember, through Daniel, the Bible speaks he's going to set up an everlasting kingdom, an everlasting dominion. Well, with an everlasting kingdom and everlasting dominion, guess what comes with it? Everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. The Bible even speaks of in the book of Revelation chapter 19 that whenever the Lord is seen coming back on his white horse, Scripture makes mention of, and his name is faithful and true, that he's going to come and he's going to judge. He's coming and judging with righteousness, the Bible says, and he makes war. He does that with righteousness. Prior to all that in Revelation 19, the Bible says to her, speaking of the bride, the wife of God, to her, is given the, the, the fine linens was granted to her for her to wear. And the Bible said the fine linens were the righteousness. So he gave his saints righteousness and he's coming forth with righteousness to judge and to war in that last day. Number five, it is to seal up the vision and the prophecy. Every vision and every prophecy concerning Israel has not come to pass yet. Every vision, every prophecy has not come to pass yet. There are still some left to be fulfilled for their complete restoration. I believe in certain matters, and people try to use this for modern day, but really it's for a time to come. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 8, they try to use this for, this is why some people say, well, there's no such thing as tongues or prophecy now. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash. The Apostle Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, but he was talking about something way down the road, even beyond us. He said, charity never faileth, in 1 Corinthians 13, 8. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, mm-hmm, it says, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Honey, we're not going to need no prophecy after he comes and sets up his kingdom upon this world. Amen? I don't need... John 14 said that comforter, which was the Holy Ghost. I'm not in need of that whenever now I'm in his... It's all said and done. That's what brought me to this journey of getting me where I'm at. But now the destiny is there. It's said and it's done. Amen? So those things will be done away with. Number, number six, to anoint the most holy. To anoint the most holy. Now people say these words well to anoint the most holy well that that's to anoint that's to anoint christ that's to anoint the, i mean the most holy one is christ to anoint christ christ at his baptism that's whenever he was anointed again not 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 lining up with the words here in the bible the word holy in the hebrew the word that is used for holy here is more most often used of a place or a thing not of a person the most holy is not a person here. The most holy is the place. Now think with me. This is still yet something to take place. Jerusalem was destroyed again after it was rebuilt. It went through some portions of being rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed. But it's been destroyed and laying in ruins uh, without for several years because they dispersed after it was destroyed the last time around 70 AD. It was destroyed, they dispersed, and now they are slowly making their way back to their land. It's slowly a nation again. It's a nation again, so they're coming back home. But we know, according to Scripture, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to go into a temple, their temple. Now, he can't go into a temple that's not there. You hearing me? So we know then that the Jewish temple is going to have to be rebuilt. You've heard early on in this that there's some of those things, some of the furniture is already in preparation, some of the garments is already in preparation, the training of the priest is already happening. 
But they got this little problem that on the place where the temple uh, resided, where it resided, where it was destroyed, there sets a Muslim shrine called the Dome of the Rock. And that area is controlled by Muslim people. The Jews cannot even take their prayer words on this vicinity or area. Anything that is of God, they can't take on this vicinity or area. Right now, that's controlled by the Muslims. And so before they can anoint, before God can come back and set things in order after the Antichrist comes and anoint the most holy, the holies of holies, a place, not a person. After he can come back and set everything back in line, there's got to be a temple rebuilt. The Antichrist has to come and make it desolate again and set up his image and proclaim himself to be God. And then Christ is going to come and he's going to anoint the holy place or the most holy holy place all that's got to happen but you see where we are then right now and i I don't want to and i'm i know i'm past my time but i don't want to get real ahead of self but folks when we talk about at the beginning of this there's going to be a covenant that's confirmed that's something that that's not like this is something new it's confirmed it's something that was already made but there's a confirmation coming for it man it's going to probably be during and it's probably going to be a, a subject matter of peace and we'll look at this later you know, if you looked in the news or heard anything recently about John Kerry that's trying to get a peace, a peace treaty over in the Middle East, has anybody heard about that? You know the due date really for the culmination of all that is, uh, I think it is April the 29th of this year. April the 29th of this year, he had said a deadline that he's going to have peace done, the peace treaty made, confirmed. See, what's going to happen whenever you get a peace treaty over in the Middle East with Israel and Jerusalem and all this, what we're talking about, the covenant, we're, I, I'm sorry, but I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost just sweep in just a little bit. What's happening is back in the book of Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham concerning land. That land engulfed Israel. The covenant that's going to be confirmed is that covenant back in Genesis concerning land because when you start talking about peace with the Jews and the Israelites, we're talking about their land. Why? Because right now, their most prized spot where the temple was, there's a Muslim shrine. And it's controlled by Muslims, not Jews. And they need that back in order to rebuild a temple. Listen to me. He ha- John Kerry has a due date of April the 29th of this year that that's supposed to be done. He's had talks with people over in Israel and uh, he's trying to ask, he's trying to get an extension. Trying to get an extension may not happen I don't know but here's the thing folks the timetable is this when you see that that covenant is confirmed that starts the last week of the 70 weeks somebody hear me right now whenever that's confirmed mm-hmm. I don't know where all that is in the process with the church the church going out right there a little bit after. I don't, I, I, honestly no one knows for sure but what I'm saying is you see that congregating over there and them trying to make peace and them trying to get a treaty signed and all that. There's been a lot of diligent work take place concerning that. Whenever someone, and I don't listen, again, this is all supposition right here, but John Kerry is the head behind this, doing this. Whoever confirms the covenant is the Antichrist. Now, I am not saying John Kerry is the Antichrist, but I did a little studying on him whenever I began to find all this out. And uh, 
years ago, uh, Don's grandpa, Grandpa Holland, did some study, and he, he said that the, uh, the Antichrist was going to be uh, from, from Rome. We understand that of the ten horns. He comes out of the Roman Empire, from that revived Roman Empire. But he also did some study instead of a Jewish descent, and he, he named the man at that time from his perspective. Again, you see things unfold as time goes on, but that would probably be it. So I just took some of his same uh, ideas of course, Rome, Jewish descent. You know that John Kerry comes from Jewish descent. His great-grandma and great-grandpa were Jews. Their last name was K-O-H-N. They changed their last name. They took a pen and just dropped it. You can read this. You can read this. You can just go to Wikipedia and read this and see where their resources are, that references. They just took a pen and dropped it on Ireland, and it landed on a place, uh, a place in there called Kerry and they adopted the last name Carey. He is also a Roman Catholic, professed Roman Catholic. There's an altar boy, all these. So I'm just, I'm not saying that is. What I'm trying to do is stir up your pure minds, folks. Let's just, let's just be real blunt about it and just say this. Let's say April 9th, 29th confirms the covenant. Where you at? That's 2014. Let's say there's no extension. I don't know everything's taking place, but I'm trying to rattle somebody here. Let's say that's it. Where are we at as a church? Where are we at individually? Because this is going to spin till the, til the seven years. The Antichrist will make the covenant. Jews think everything's peace and good. They'll see what will happen during that time of peace. Everything's good. They got their land back. They'll build their temple. They'll do their sacrifices. But midway through... He'll pull the rug out from under their feet and say, uh-uh, not happen. Make it desolate, just like, oh, Antiochus did. Make it desolate. All this great tribulation like the world has never seen, Scripture tells us will happen. And boom, Christ will come back to set up his kingdom. Let's stand. And I might repeat some of that next week for anybody just missed my blabber right there at the end because that was just cuff. All right. Amen? So, you know, in reality, folks, I mean, in reality, you want to look. This is where we're living. We're living in the gap. We're living in the gap. Right in here. Of the 490 years that he told Daniel back then, we only got seven years left and of to complete that 490 years, but that's the seven years of tribulation. But is the church going to be here going out before it, in the middle of it, or after it? I tell you what, I don't think I'd want to fool around with thinking that it was after it. If there's enough controversy of people saying, well, I think it's before, I think it's middle. I think I'd want to be ready for this spot right here. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.